It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, welcome back. It's Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Locked On Rams. I'm really excited about this one, guys. This is the Friday edition of Locked On, the last one before Sunday's game up in Minnesota. 7-2 Rams versus the 7-2 Vikings. It's going to be a good one. And speaking of a good one, we've got a good one today. We've got the host of Locked On Vikings, Sam Ekstrom, joining us. Talked to him a little bit ago. He's excited as I am for this game. Had a great chat with them, and I guess without further ado, I'll just toss it over to the interview. Here is me and Sam Ekstrom talking Rams-Vikings. Rams Nation, all right, I'm excited. We've got our representation from Locked On Vikings. It is Sam Ekstrom. Uh, Sam, thanks for joining the show. I'm glad you could make it on and and chat with us today. Yeah, it's good to be here. It's about 20 degrees in Minneapolis right now. We just had snow on the ground within the last five days and what is it there 75 80 Whew. 85 how badly can you rub it in yeah i can rub it in up to about 70 and the funny thing is i'm sitting here in a long sleeve and jeans and was just complaining about how cold it was last night so you know what you're in football weather and uh i can no longer complain you win that's right well the games are played inside here now you know for a couple of years we were outside and we had that minus five-degree game against the Seahawks that uh, brought a lot of people back to the good old purple people eater days. But now we are spoiled and elitist and cushy in U.S. Bank Stadium. Yeah, I remember those outdoor days. Uh, sadly, it brought the end of career of one of the greatest quarterbacks we've seen in Brett Favre. I grew up in the Chicago area, so followed the Bears games pretty close. And if there was one thing that they did, it was, uh, you know, they never beat Brett Favre, but they knocked him out of the NFL. That was one thing they did. I want to say it was Corey Wooten who might have had that last hit on Favre in the, the frigid cold on basically a, a literal frozen tundra. And then Wooten actually ended up back in Minnesota. I want to say 2014, he might have been a, a reserve defensive end uh, special teams guy. So kind of full circle there. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how that kind of comes around. Well, you know, I, I bet there's one person that's happy that it's now indoors, and that's probably Case Keenum. He was out here in sunny California last year, and we got to see him kind of handle, um, you know, this offense. Not to as much success as he's seen out uh, where you're at these days. Just wanted to um, run that by you. A lot of people out here in California are saying that, you know, it's Jeff Fisher was the number one reason we circled as far as Case Keenum's production. But he's been out there and has found success. So I just want to ask you on, you know, what's the big turnaround for Case as far as, you know, last few games, man? He's looked pretty great. Well, let's take a look at the offensive lines. You know, last year he's got Greg Robinson as his left tackle. Uh, This year he's got Riley Reef, who has not allowed a sack at all this year. And in fact, the Vikings have been one of the best offensive lines in terms of reducing sacks, which is a huge turnaround for them. They were among the worst offensive lines in football last year. They completely retooled it. And this year, you know, sort of like the Rams, they went out and they got a new left tackle. You guys got Andrew Whitworth. Yep. The Vikings got Riley Reef. You guys got former Viking John Sullivan to be your new center. The Vikings mm-hmm. got rookie third-round pick Pat Elfline. And Keenum has really displayed an incredible canny for avoiding pressure and manipulating the pocket. He's only been sacked five times in almost, 
you know, the every single half of football this year. Sam Bradford played, you know, three halves, um, and then he went out with knee issues. So Case Keem's been in there the rest of the time, and he's got the best sack percentage in football if you look at pro football focus. So uh, he really does have better blocking this year. He got sacked a ton last year in L.A., 23 times. Greg Robinson was a turnstile. You guys <laughs> correctly let him go to Detroit. And you. Uh, and another reason Vikings fans are happy about that is because you know they sent Greg Robinson to a Vikings division rival where he's now fledgling with the Lions. Uh, but I think the offensive line turnaround is doing huge for Case. He's got playmakers with Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. And, uh, you know, he had a stud in Dalvin Cook for a few games, but now they're getting good production from uh, Jerick McKinnon and, and Matt, uh, excuse me, I almost said Matt Asiata, Latavius Murray. <laughs> Um, at running back. So uh, the Vikings have it pretty good offensively right now, and I think the, the O-line is a big reason why. Yeah, and, and you're right, talking about turnaround and adding new additions. You guys have done the same as, as Los Angeles has done. You guys didn't have, obviously, as poor of performance over the last couple of years, but uh, it's nice to see you guys near the top and, and not those Green Bay Packers. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a big part of that, but it's kind of fun to see different faces on the top. And, you know, out here in Rams Nation, we're excited to be a part of that group. This is lining up to be an amazing game. Obviously, you talked about, um, you know, the defense side of the ball, you know, the O-line protecting uh, Keenum and allowing him to move around and not get sacked as much. Um, we have studs all over the field as well. What do you think is going to be the, the most exciting matchup to watch uh, this Sunday? Well, I don't know if it's the sexiest matchup, but I think it's definitely the most compelling. It's Aaron Donald against Pat Elfline. Aaron Donald has like 33 sacks in the last four seasons. He's one of the most dominant players at the position. Pat Elfline has been remarkably good as a rookie at center, but he's still a puppy. You know, he's still really young. He's only seen so many tackles in this league, and this might be the toughest test yet, probably helps a little bit that he's gone against beast nose tackle Linvald Joseph quite a bit, whether it's training camp, OTAs, uh, just normal practices for the Vikings. He's had a really good test there, a guy who's gargantuan, who's got a good first step in Linvald, who somehow is able to put up numbers while occupying multiple blockers at a time. Uh, so I'm going to be watching the trenches. I think both of these teams have remarkably good defensive line. Vikings should have Everson Griffin back as well, so that's going to attack the Rams' offensive line. But, you know, as I mentioned, both teams have above-average offensive lines too. So you've got areas of strength on both sides of the line of scrimmage. So I'm going to be watching those pads popping with uh, that interior line. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm with you on that one. I think it's going to be a fun matchup to watch all day. Aaron Donald's coming off four consecutive games of a sack, so he's uh, just getting going, and he's super excited to get out there and probably see that matchup, especially when he's got a rookie across from him. He's been great, uh, better than great, actually. He's been dominant on one and one so hopefully they're going to send some help because it may be a long day for the rookie, but um, it's going to be a point where he can prove his worth, definitely on that offensive line. Um, so I'm with you on that. I'm excited to watch that. You mentioned a couple other guys there. Um, Dalvin Cook on your run game going into that. Uh, we, if there's one area that we've struggled, it's been our rush defense. Obviously, we rank uh, near the bottom of the league, most likely because the first four games we were giving up 300 yards a game, it felt like. We've really kind of tightened that up a little bit, but we seem to start slow, and there's always usually one big run, whether it's 20 yards um, even Leonard Fournette broke an 80-yard run on us. So how do you think um, 
that matchup's going to go with uh, McKinnon. Obviously, Delvin Cook no longer there. That was a big blow for you guys. But um, Jarek has really filled, filled in well there. Uh, what do you see his day looking like? Do you see him getting over 100? Or uh, how do you think they're going to use him? Right. Well, the Vikings rush game has been surprisingly competent without Dalvin Cook. In the three games that he was healthy, as a team, the Vikings had 115 yards per game rushing the football. In the five games since he tore his ACL in week four, they've averaged 126 as a team on the ground. Wow. And that's not all McKinnon. That's not all Murray. That is a two-headed monster with really one guy seeming to pick up the slack each week. There's two games, I think, where Murray led them and three games where McKinnon led them. I think McKinnon is definitely the better back, but he's not a workhorse. He's not 20, 25 carries guy. He's better in smaller chunks, and he's pretty good in the passing game. Latavius Murray, a little bit more of a bruiser. He doesn't really escape tackles well. He doesn't run laterally well, but he's good at hitting the hole, and if you block for him, he can pick up 8 to 10 yards. It's okay. So between the two of them, they've done a nice job. I really like McKinnon, and interestingly, McKinnon's in a contract year, and the Vikings have an out in Murray's contract, even though it was a three-year deal. They could cut him at basically no cost this offseason, so I think the two of them are sort of competing with each other to see who's, who is going to be Dalvin Cook's backup next year, You know, assuming no one, nobody offers them massive money to go um, be a starter somewhere. You know, I, I, In McKinnon's case, I think the Vikings would love to have him back because he really is a fun player to watch. He's had some ankle issues in the past, but uh, he's great in space. He's got some wiggle to him. He's actually pretty powerful despite his size. You know, specifically against the Rams, I think you go to McKinnon more because the interior of that defensive line is so strong, you're going to want to get to the outside. That, that applies to Keenum, getting him on rollouts where he's very accurate, and uh, getting the ball to McKinnon in the flat and in space against those linebackers. I don't know if you guys are going to be without um, Joyner and Barwin yet. You know, that injury report still has to be finalized, but... Um, I think there's going to be some room maybe in the cracks of that defense. So I wouldn't run between the tackles. I would run off the edge. Yeah, I, th- I think you're pretty accurate there. And, and you know, I, I bet, that you know, coaches love to see competition. And that's a good good place to see competition is the running back. Obviously, moving into next year, you guys have some valuations to do to see who you're going to go with long term. As I look at it from the Rams perspective, this is going to be one of the first times this year that we've seen kind of a dual back setup where we've got to really adjust on who's in the backfield pick up you know is it McKinnon back there or is it Murray and and how we're going to react to that because we've basically faced a lot of you know main backs three down backs you come in the guy that's coming in you know it's probably going to be a passing situation Uh, but when they start moving and shifting around running backs back there it's going to have to really have some alertness from our linebackers Ogletree at times has had issue against the run he's been great against the pass um but I think that's going to be another fun matchup, that O-line rush game. It's going to be huge for us, especially on the road. We don't want to get, let you guys get out and get some points right away uh, and play from behind. We haven't done that very much this season. Uh, McVay mentioned last week about finally seeing some adversity, but it was against the Houston Texans, and we were up at halftime. So I don't know how much that really rings true, but he was allowed to use that as far as the mental warfare within his own team to kind of give them confidence. The Suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. 
Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, do you see the Rams kind of coming out here um, as facing the Vikings? Do you see the Vikings getting up early in this one? Or, or how do you see this thing going in the first half, if, if you could kind of predict that? I think a lot of it depends on how the Vikings are in the red zone. They were a bottom quarter team in terms of red zone efficiency heading into the bye week, week nine. Then they came out last week against Washington, guns a-blazing. They go five of five in the red zone. They scored 35 points in less than two and a half quarters. It was the best offensive performance they've had all year. And since Dalvin Cook got hurt, Pat Shermer deserves all sorts of credit because he's really put together a multi-dimensional offensive approach, different guys beating you each week. He gets it to his backup tight ends. He gets it to two different running backs. He spreads it around to the Thielen and Diggs, intermediate, deep, close. Mm-hmm. He uses screen plays. He gets Keenum out in space. You know, he can throw from the pocket. There's mm-hmm. so many different ways they can attack you. And for whatever reason, they just had a bunch of red zone trouble early in the season. I don't know if you saw the, the London game against Cleveland week eight, but right. the Vikings settled for four field goals. The week before that, they had six field goals against Baltimore. Uh, so Minnesota is going to have to convert in the red zone in this game. I don't think they can settle for three against a team that's scoring almost 33 per game. You know, on paper, you might think, oh, this is going to be another shootout in the 30s, but both of these defenses are top five as well. So I'd be curious to hear what you think about this, too. Do you think it's going to be a shootout, or do you think it's going to be defensive? I think the Vikings would like to keep it lower scoring just because the 38 they scored against Washington – with Case Keenum as your quarterback, it still doesn't seem like their their identity. It's a nice outlier, but I think this team is still more equipped to win those games uh, twenty to ten than they are thirty eight to thirty, like they did against the Redskins. Yeah, I agree. I think the Rams would love to get into a shootout and really open up the offense. The the interesting thing, as we're kind of talking back and forth here, is I do see a lot of similarities in the team. I mean, you talked about you know how your O coordinator is using all the different. Uh, pieces and he's got two running backs he's using the tight ends he's got two stud wide receivers and the Rams have the same thing going you know we've got depth at the wide receiver position we've got two tight ends who catch the ball well and block down the field well Uh, and then Todd Gurley who we basically could put anywhere I think he'd be great uh, even on kickoff if we needed him there he's just been a stud all over the field so um, we see that similarity and we've also seen similarity of not being able to score at times getting a touchdown that's why Greg Zerloin is leading the league in points right now he had a game earlier in the year we had seven field goals so a couple similarities there as far as these teams go I bet both coaches would love to see this kind of be a little bit more on the defensive side. Um, but in a weird way, I've been, you know, as I talk back and forth with my co-host of Rams podcast, James, we, I kind of say I almost feel like I have to start when I do predictions for the Rams. I have to start at about 40 points and either take away a touchdown or add a touchdown because every time I go underneath that, 
they come out and you know drop 30, mm-hmm. drop 40 points. So for me, I think this is going to just end up still on the plus side of 25 points. Um, but that's why they play the game on Sunday. It's going to be an interesting to watch for sure. Um, well, speaking as we're watching this game, there's going to be an interesting person watching this game along uh, with us, and that's Greg Olson. And I got to hear a little bit of you guys' talk uh, on the Locked On Vikings about this, but I want to hear more about what your th- thoughts are. I talked with James yesterday about this, and I was kind of going, oh, suck it up, Vikings. He's just up in the booth, you know. I was kind of, you know, getting that aspect, and, you know, James threw it over and said, you know, what if. You know, Jimmy Graham was up there. How would you feel then if it was a Seahawks tight end up there doing the same thing? What are your thoughts on this? Do you think the Vikings have a case? Do you think they should just, you know, zip it? Obviously, the NFL and Fox doesn't seem to care what they think. But what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, it's a really interesting talker, sort of unprecedented. And I've also waffled about it sort of like you have. I started off more in the camp of, come on, just deal with it, Vikings. Rick Spielman is notoriously one of the more private, secretive, I don't want to say thin-skinned, but uh, sensitive general managers. He's very tight-lipped, rarely gives any information because they're all about holding on to that minute advantage of secrecy. Um, But the more I got to thinking about it, I think there might be a legitimate gripe here because when you think about it, whether Olsen is in the meetings or not, he's still going to be privy to the information that the announcers and the production team have gotten from the coach and the players, whether it's this week or previous weeks. And I think the kicker is, is that Kevin Burkhart and Charles Davis are the ones announcing the game. And I love their work. They do, by the way, they did the game against Washington last week. So they've already had production meetings with this coaching staff. Right. And now whether the Vikings give them any information for this game or not, they've still got those nuggets from previous meetings. So it does feel a little bit odd that Fox would go to such lengths to defend this decision when the Vikings clearly have an issue with it. There clearly seems to be you know, something a little fishy here when you are giving a player that they are going to face in three weeks access potentially to some of their game plan secrets that they like to hold closer to the vest. So I think I do see where the Vikings are coming from. Right. And as Sage and I predicted on today's show, I don't think they're going to give them anything in the Saturday production meeting. I think they're going to stick it to Fox, probably be very tight-lipped. Right. Fox will have to deal with it, whatever the consequences are. Um, and, And when it comes down to it, in my opinion, I don't think it matters all that much, but... I guess I could see where the Vikings might think it matters. Uh, you know, they hold they hold awfully tightly to some of those, those secrets. So well, I guess we'll see what happens against uh, the Panthers in week, what is it, 14? We'll see if, if Olsen goes off for 12 catches <laughs> 220 yards, then I'll concede that there was an issue. Hashtag broadcast gate, right? We'll just start it going now. It could be interesting. I think you're right, though. I mean, there's a little bit of both sides, you know, kind of suck it up, but... Um, you know, if we see Greg Olson folding up a couple pieces of paper and heading to the printer, uh, then yeah, you, you might have something. <laughs> and I do think it's a little weird that they are playing them in like three weeks. It, you know, if they played them early in the season or they weren't matching up this year. Um, but I'm really curious to see. They made all this fuss for it. Fox did to get him in there. He better be pretty good. Obviously, Tony Romo has been pretty good. Uh, we talked on our show yesterday. We were really curious to see what Jay Cutler would have been like in the booth. But uh, this is Greg Olson's turn. So um, I'm just wondering if I'm going to ha- have to hit mute and turn on ESPN LA to hear the call. 
um, or if he's going to be all right. <laughs> well, I assume it's going to be a three-man booth uh, with Charles Davis and Greg Olson both trying to do color. I guess I'm not 100% sure how they're going to structure it, but in general, three-man booths are hard to navigate, whatever sport you're doing, you know, whether right. it was the World Series with Joe Buck and Harold Reynolds and Tom Reducci. Uh, the, the one that does it really well is Mike Breen and um, Van Gundy and Jackson in the NBA. They do a nice job, but even then, you know, sometimes you, they kind of they kind of have to take turns, and, and you you know, if someone gets on a roll, then you know, Jackson maybe has to step in and he has to drop one of those catchphrases that he likes to do. I've I've never liked three man booths that much, so. When you're bringing in a first-timer into that setting, uh, it seems like it's only going to be a little more awkward than it normally would be. Yeah, I agree. And it, that takes that takes years of practice. You know, as you got three people, um, you know, it takes some chemistry. So it's going to be interesting. I, w- I was glad to hear your take on it because, obviously, you know, being over here in Rams Nation, we're sitting here going, suck it up, Vikings. He's just in the booth. But when you step back and kind of take a look at it, you start to understand if it, if it would happen to you. And that's where I really, you know, step back and go, like, you're right. If it happened to me, what would I feel like? And I'd probably put up a little bit of stink. So we'll see how that, like you said, a couple weeks down the road, see how that really turns out. And if Craig Olson, you know, tears it up when he gets back out on the field and, you know, drops 12 catches and a couple touchdowns, then, then you might have your, your point there. <laughs> Um, I want to talk a little bit while we're talking about, you know, throwing the ball up in there and getting some points. Um, we are the leading uh, NFL scoring leader right now, the, the Rams are. Uh, your defense has played well, and obviously you've got some playmakers in the secondary, you know, Xavier Rhodes, Harrison Smith, Sunday, who's been playing really well. What's a name that the Rams nation may not know that you think is going to be a key to this defense success on Sunday? Mm, good question. Well, you mentioned, uh, let, let's see if I have this right. I would say that in in Rams Nation's eyes, probably the household names on the defense would be Harrison Smith, Everson Griffin, maybe Anthony Barr. Those are sort of the stars at each level. So going a little deeper than that, opposite of Everson Griffin, you've got Daniil Hunter. He's in his third year out of LSU. Totally raw product coming in out of the draft. He was a third-round pick. Basically just an empty canvas that defensive line coach Andre Patterson and Mike Zimmer have molded to become a fearsome pass rusher. He usurped Brian Robison, the veteran defensive end, took his job this year. Robison's now sort of a versatile backup. But Hunter takes up a lot of double teams. Oftentimes he's going on the tight end side. So he's not getting as many sacks as Griffin because he's all, a lot of times on that tight end side, which right. is uh, usually coinciding with the right side of the offensive line. But he really is he's, he's good. Number 99, watch him. Uh, he's explosive. He's fast. Watch him hunt down screenplays on the sideline. He'll run step for step with a running back. He is really, really good. You'll also want to watch Eric Kendricks. He's the tackles leader. And for, for stretches of his young career, this is his third year as well, He's been better than Anthony Barr. A lot of last season, he was the Vikings' best linebacker. I would say that Barr, essentially in a contract year himself, with that non-guaranteed fifth-year option on the table, but he needed to play well this year, and he has. But he and Kendricks together, they both went to UCLA. They were buddies before they were on the Vikings, and now they're, they're best friends. They play next to each other in the nickel. They are unbelievably explosive. They threaten that double-A gap blitz all the time. 
and they wreak havoc with offensive lines if they don't communicate. So be glad that you have John Sullivan, who probably understands exactly what the Vikings are trying to do defensively. I think that's going to be an underrated facet of Sunday's game is that you've got a really good communicator there. Sullivan is smart, high IQ guy. Um, it looks like he hasn't practiced this week, but I think it said non-injury related, so I assume he's going to be playing. That's going to be big. Um, and then one last guy in the Vikings defense, Trey Waynes. Waynes has taken a lot of grief in Minnesota because he's been slow to really adjust. He's not Marshawn Lattimore, who steps in and becomes the league's best corner overnight. It's right. taken him a while. It's his third year, and he's just now sort of coming around and playing, I think, to his potential. Since week two, he was really bad in the loss against Pittsburgh week two. Since then, he's been solid. Nobody throws at Xavier Rhodes anymore. He's too good of a shutdown <laughs> corner. So everybody picks on Waynes, and Waynes has really started to hold his own. So Trey Waynes, Eric Kendricks, um, Daniil Hunter, you know, those are your, your secondary guys at each level of the defense, but they're all pretty good in their own right. Man, well, that was a good breakdown because you just got me jacked for this Sunday. I can't wait to see. It sounds like some great matchups. Sounds like both sides of the ball have a good, well, not good, but a, a above average number 99, and that's going to be a fun matchup to watch. You talked about shutting down the screen. It's something we've done um, almost to perfect success so far this season. Todd Gurley is great coming out of the backfield, catching those screens, uh, tearing off 30 yards at a time almost every time I feel like we get a screen going. Um, and then obviously the screen that went on third and 33 that Robert Woods took. So we've got some creative play calling. I can't wait to see how we try to move some of your guys around and play away from your playmakers. Uh, but it's going to be a fun game. We teased it earlier in the show talking about predictions and what we think. I'd love to hear your take on maybe give me a score prediction and how confident you are in, uh, in that prediction and maybe pulling out a win. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked on Fantasy Football with your Locked on Fantasy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fantasy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry. You can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. I like that you added the confidence aspect of it because Sage and I do this confidence meter game every Friday where we make our picks and then we assign a number 0 through 100 to it and we keep track. So this is right up my alley. Nice. Everybody's going to think I'm a home, obviously, uh, you know, probably going with the Vikings here because this is a home game from Minnesota and Jared Goff has never played in an environment this insane. I think uh, you'll be impressed watching that. This, this is a really, really good fan base. And, and I know, you know, Los Angeles fans are probably kind of getting reacquainted with the league right. and, you know, wh which fans are the most rabid and which stadiums are the loudest. And I haven't been to all of them, but I would venture to say this is one of the loudest stadiums in the NFL. It's acoustically built to just echo you got 115 decibels on third down. Jared Goff is still a young quarterback in this league, and, and I think the Vikings are re really going to make life hard on him. That being said, 
and the Rams could say this as well, neither team has that many impressive wins on their resume. You know, in the game winning streak for, for L.A., I would say that Jacksonville is probably yep. the most impressive win. Yep. Uh, that's a nice defense that you beat there. And you, and you guys have blown teams away the last four games. Vikings, in their five-game winning streak, probably their best win in there would be Washington on the yep. road. And that's a four and five team. They beat Green Bay with, with a injured Rodgers. They beat Baltimore at home. You know, they beat Cleveland. They beat Chicago on the road. That's a decent win, but it's not great. So neither team has a lot of prove-it wins. I just think Minnesota has the edge because they are at home. Case Keenum might have a little extra juice going against his former team, although maybe that makes him overly excited. Maybe he throws three picks. Who knows? <laughs> um, but I am going to go with Minnesota. I think it's going to be lower scoring than the, the point averages might indicate. I think it's going to stay below 30. I think Minnesota wins it 24-21. to 21. All right, and then what would you say? You're, so you do the confidence level. Where's your confidence level on that oh, one? Oh, confidence meter. Right, right, sorry. Uh, confidence level, I'm going to go 65 for Minnesota. I, I think that um, they don't lose at home very often, but this is a team that went into Dallas and beat Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, and that I think is arguably your most impressive win. So I'm going to go 65, a little better than 50-50, I just I really like the way this Vikings defense has been closing down games. I think they're going to make some some big plays defensively and and special teams as well. Um, Kai Forbath has been kicking really well on field goals and extra points of late, and Marcus Shales is one of the better return men in the league. So I think Minnesota with a slight edge in this one. I think it's going to be an awesome game. And how about a good game here, Bear? Neither of these teams have had many of them this year. A lot of blowouts. Let's have a barn burner. What do you say? I'm with you, and that's what I love. We've gone through comparisons throughout this whole show about how these two teams seem to kind of match up pretty well. You you talked about our winning streak, and you know some not so impressive, but we've been blowing them out when we had to, which is you know a sign of a good team is kind of stepping on those not so good teams. Um, and likewise for you guys, you ha- you're winning, but you know people can look over the side and say, oh well, you know there was no Aaron Rodgers, or you know um, you know <laughs> you beat the Bears, so what? But you know, they're wins, right? You take them, you move forward. This is going to be an awesome game. You talked about your special teams are playing really great. We think we have one of the best special teams in the NFL, so that matches up there. Two amazing defenses, uh, you know, in the top 10. And you've got two young, exciting offenses who have really started to click as of late. So I think it's going to be an exciting game. Uh, you can definitely call me a homer because I'm excited. I think we uh, have the right mentality here. Not only do we have the talent, but our coach – I mean, it's just got these guys so bought in. It's incredible from the way they prepare, the way they practice, the way they go on the road and travel, obviously undefeated on the road. Uh, so I think that noise that you talked about definitely could be a factor early in the game. But I think once they settle in and start getting back to what Sean McVay has been preaching all, all week, all season, is that they'll start to get comfortable again. I think this is going to be a close game. I'm going to crank it up a notch because just out of selfish reasons, if we can just throw out a guess, I want more points. So I think this is going to be close to uh, – I'm going to go 35-31. to 31. I think it's going to come down to the end of the game. It's going to go down to that, you know, does Case Keenum make a late turnover? Do we get a big special teams play when we need one? Um, and then when we turn it over and do the confidence rating on it, 
I'm kind of about where you're at, but I'll crank it up since I'm already cranking it up. I'll crank it up to 70. Um, you know, I feel good about this team. I've been talking all week about it. I'm ready for football. Um, I think they are too. And I think they're ready to prove to not only here in Rams Nation, but to themselves and to the rest of the country that all those wins that people are doubting and saying, nah, it wasn't that great. You beat Arizona. Oh, well. You know, they're ready for a team that's 7-2, and two, top of the division, on the road, old former teammate in Case Keenum. He's not wearing the red jersey anymore. There's a lot of exciting things for both sides of the ball here. Um, it's going to be a fun one to watch. I just hope Greg Olson doesn't screw it up in the booth for us. <laughs> there you go. Well, it's basically a game to get, in essence, a two-game lead in the standings because whoever wins goes up a game and gets the tiebreaker head-to-head. So Minnesota's trying to get that tiebreaker monopoly. They already beat the Saints back in week one when it looked like the Saints were a terrible, terrible right. football team. Yeah. And suddenly they're one of the hottest in the NFC. And then if they can get this win... Minnesota later plays Carolina as well with the Greg Olson connection. So Minnesota could has a chance to have that monopoly on tiebreakers in the NFC, which would be huge. Obviously, everybody's chasing Philadelphia, though. So um, a lot of ways this could shake out, too, Bear. If Philadelphia loses to Dallas, which is very possible, we could have like a three- or four-way tie atop the NFC. How fun would that be? You know, these teams out in the NFC are really coming together. And it, like I said at the beginning, it's fun to just see different teams up at top. You know, no more Green Bay up there. Uh, Seattle's in the mix, but they're not as dominant as they've been in the past couple years. And they're really banged up. So you're right. It's going to be fun. That's why we watch every Sunday. Even though there's a lot of things going on in the NFL, their product at the end of the day is just something that me and you can't get enough of. So I appreciate you coming on, guys. It's Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Vikings. If you got anybody out there in Minnesota, send him that way uh he's got a great podcast going i appreciate your time best of luck maybe not so much on sunday but the rest of the season um you know beat up on those packers as much as you can and and maybe we'll see you again in the playoffs and if not maybe we'll see you for super bowl back in your stadium well i hope it's the former and not the latter um but i appreciate have uh you having me on it sounds like you have a great show going here and obviously i would direct my fans to listen to that as well Uh, i really appreciate it bear All right, Sam, take it easy, and feel free to tweet me on Sunday. It's going to be a good one. All right, we'll talk some smack. All right, well, there you have it, Rams Nation. I want to give a big thanks to Sam Ekstrom again for joining us. That was a great conversation. Lots of insight on the team. Uh, That defense sounds pretty scary as you start to get more of an in-depth dive of the players they have there and what they're capable of. So it's going to be a challenge for our offensive line and Sean McVay and how we really scheme things up to, to play against some of their big players. So excited for Sunday. He said he's 65% sure they're going to win 24-21. to 21, And I said I'm 70% sure we're going to win 35-31. to 31. I think it's going to be a great game. I think this is going to be a close one. No more of those blowouts. Although those were nice. I think we're going to get a little bit more of an entertaining game from start to finish. Uh, this may come down to special teams, a turnover, maybe a late golf third down pickup would be beautiful. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see. We'll be back Monday to recap the show, hopefully another Victory Monday, sitting on top of the NFC West. Thanks again, guys. Go ahead and head over to my iTunes. Leave me a quick review, some thumbs up. I give much appreciation to everyone that does. Uh, Thank you so much. Enter yourself by just putting your Twitter handle in the review, and we're going to give away some Pro Football Focus subscriptions. Awesome stuff. You guys know all the details. I can't wait for Sunday. We'll see you on Monday, Rams Nation. And until next time, peace. 
Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fantasy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fantasy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network. 